if she comes back? What if there's no way of moving back? What when your face falls apart? Have you got enough time? From the land of the sky and to high strangers around the globe, this is Joshua P. Warren's Speaking of Strange, hosted by Vance Pollack. Vance Pollack. And the world is becoming more and more insane every day. Welcome to the program that gives you breaking news and insight into the paranormal and downright weird, where the unusual becomes usual. And we don't just discuss it, we go into the field to investigate. I'm in the studio here with uh, Shelly Wright and Sam the Animal Steel. Do you, do you realize, Investigator Shelly Wright and Sam the Animal Steel, that of all most of the people that have uh, come and gone in the history of speaking of strange got a nickname? They were dubbed some nickname or other. By oh, really? Joshua P. Warren. Well, Sam the Animal Steel. Oh, I, I mean, that just, that's that just happened. That's just kind of there. But oh. every producer and uh, regular guest and everything. Well, your title is Investigator Shelley Wright, but I'm surprised he didn't come up with some some nickname. Maybe he just decided uh, he he would leave you alone on that count. But I only acquired my nickname from Joshua P. Warren. What's, After roaming around downtown with him on walking tours, can you guess what it is? It's Vance Monument Pollock, which which uh, kind of yeah. works. I mean, I, I don't use it here on the show, but I could. I could or, say, this is Vance Monument Pollock. General Vance? Yeah, I could. I mean, I could was be, it, was what, it, but was the it monument Zebulon, thing wasn't is... Wasn't Zebulon, a, was he a general? Right, right. But it, it was Vance Monument Pollock, because I was I was on the haunted Asheville walking and you're tour, tall, and I'm tall, and I walked past the Vance Monument. Th- this is very Asheville centric. We're going to hear a lot of complaints because this is very Asheville centric. And uh, Aren't you supposed just to talk because about we're you know? on Asheville AM radio WWNC five seventy. Anyway, uh, Josh did did dub me Vance Monument Pollock. Uh, and, and I just thought I would share that. I, it just occurred to me. There are things that we we should have talked about or could have talked about here on the show that just kind of uh, pop into our heads when uh, when we're freestyling. Uh, but anyway, uh, I am Vance Monument Pollock in the studio with Shelly Wright and Sam the Animal Steel. And uh, Shelly just told me before we came on the air that William Peter Blatty passed away not recently not super recently a few months ago passed away middle of january of this year do you know william peter blatty listeners he's the man who wrote the exorcist and adapted it wrote the screenplay for the movie the exorcist still one of the scariest movies ever Uh, a movie that i think is too intense for my 12 year old son it's on that list of horror movies that you must see but I don't think a 12-year-old has any business watching it. There's some pretty intense and graphic language going on there. The Exorcist, of course, uh, uh, the story surrounding a young girl who is demon-possessed. And we were just 
chatting a little bit about demon possession because that's uh that's strange right that's that's uh topical and uh we were just looking around uh the internet to see what kind of a demon possession what what passes for demon possession these days and i think more and more in in the news especially like the dark stirred the dark the dark 30 type material you're hearing about people who were really wigged out on drugs doing crazy things and and that's rather apparent they don't seem to blame it on demon possession as much or they would say uh zombie apocalypse but i think before the whole zombie apocalypse and the whole bath salts craziness of uh, recent years that it used to be more common to say that guy is demon possessed um we were watching a clip of a, a fellow at his arraignment and the headline was demon possession is real and the guy was just just seemed to me to be acting a little bit crazy gnashing his teeth giving evil looks cussing I think that you know, being that we're all about the same age, that when we were growing up, you know, it, you, you it was right. It was more demon possession than zombies and stuff. And we both grew up in Florida, right? And uh, Florida is known for crazy people. Um, but I remember growing up hearing all sorts of stuff about demon possession. Do you uh, think that maybe this generation is uh, less strict about its uh, religious? Uh, upbringing that in a very evangelical home or a very strict Catholic home that they add there's more uh, they lend more credibility to the idea of well, demon probably, possession probably for sure I mean uh, I don't know statistics or anything but I'm sure that uh, this in with the Millennials they're probably overall less uh, you know brought up as uh, strict religiously as uh, I or my friends might have been growing up. Right. So while we might see similar behavior to the sort of things that were blamed on demon possession or a person raised in a very religious environment who's just crazy <laughs> off their meds yeah, or is going to blame it on advancements Satan? in, uh, you know, um, psychological developments and stuff and um, knowing more about certain ailments, uh, disorders of the mental variety. You know, which in the past, I mean, back in the in Salem, you know, you were a witch if add this here, you know, right. like you're wearing a red shirt, you're a witch. <laughs> well, in the case of demon possession is uh, there's different ways of looking at it. I think that maybe demon possession kind of falls in with the, the myth that if you play with a Ouija board alone, You'll go crazy. We were never. Or I you'll was, get possessed. You'll and never, to this day, I still won't touch one. But I mean, we were never. I mean, was it Milton Bradley had you know the Ouija board right? game like next to Life and Candyland? Sure. I was always like, you know, I still look at that. And I'm like, that's not a game. You shouldn't be messing around with that. See, it was a staple at uh, teenage girls' sleepovers. Right. We we brought out the Ouija board. Yeah. We played with the Ouija board. We had a, we never had anything happen. Everything was fine. We, and we never closed out our session the way we were supposed to. And then, uh, when I was an adult, we played the Ouija board. It was my boyfriend and I with, uh, another couple that we were friends with. And the 
my friend, the the woman, she wanted to know about this little boy that she'd seen in her house. She felt like he was intentionally scaring her, and she just wanted to find out. And I had some things that were happening to me, too, because I lived at the Haunted Tuberculosis Sanatorium. So I asked mine, too. And it turned out the little boy was very, very angry with her and did not like her at all and was intentionally scaring her. And for me, it turned out that this this thing that I felt around me, it said that it was in love with me and that it was trying to protect me. And when we asked it what it was protecting me from, it spelled out M-O-N-S-T-R. Okay. That's yes. pretty clear. Yes. Spells monster well, in my spells book. Spells monster. <laughs> it, so you, there was an entity and the the intelligence communicated by the Ouija board to you was that it was a protective entity uh, that was preventing a monster from getting after you. Sure sounds like that's what it was. Monster, demon, here's you a, know what? Uh, here's an interesting um Side note on uh, demons and uh, the smell of sulfur. Okay. Um, it comes from the Latin word sulfurium. Why is that associated with demons? Well, mostly because it's uh, associated with the noxious smell of hell. In Revelations 9.17, it states, The heads of horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. Quite literally, fire and brimstone, because demons are associated with the devil. And uh, mal... I can't... I can never say that word. Malfeasant, Malfeasant Act. The smell of hell is a particularly pungent way to recognize their presence and means to otherize the possessed from the non-possessed. Okay, so mm-hmm. if you've come from hell, if you come out of hell, you're not going to smell like roses. Sulfur jelly. <laughs> My sulfur laundry jelly. smelled jelly like sulfur. sulfur. Right. My laundry smelled like hell for what seven, <laughs> almost eight years. But it was it's my the well water. This thing, I just my laundry <laughs> smells like sulfur. <laughs> but now it doesn't. Oh goodness. These these naughty demons. Uh I'm thinking of possession as sort of a mental condition. And it would be possible. Insanity, possession, they really are similar and and possession in that sense, it is real. You can put yourself in a condition or a state of mind, especially if you're predisposed to uh, mental aberrations if you expose yourself to dark things if uh, some of these guys who are a little bit off their rocker anyway uh, start watching a lot of very violent uh, movies uh, Mark Jones our, our f- uh, friend and the writer from uh, Charleston South Carolina was having a conversation with us about serial killers and violent killers that they all have uh, a certain uh, personality uh that can be traced back to uh childhood exposure to violent pornography uh abuse uh, you know animal uh, mutilation things like this are almost standard for these sort of uh serial killers and and psychos psychopaths sociopaths what have you so to to be exposed to outside influences that really 
no. can tw- can twist the mind in a way that I would say is is demon possessed. That's true. That serial killers often share, um, you know, a lot of the same traits. However, if you think about it, uh, really the only one that pops into my mind right off top of the head, and by no means is uh, this saying it's the only one, but the only like satanic serial killer I can think of would be like Richard Ramirez. Right. You know, um, the, one, the only one that was openly uh, calling on Satan. Well, I'm sure there's probably other ones, but I mean, the the, the, the list of your big right. named, you know, serial. But they all share a lot of those same traits, you know, from Ted Bundy to John Wayne Gacy. There's a lot of, you know, um, of those things that you had just mentioned. Similar. Scary stuff. Shelley uh, did run across uh, a the Catholic Church's most outspoken exorcist and he was a uh, harsh critic of harry potter and evil yoga he he recently passed away last fall he passed away at the age of uh, 91 that was father gabriel amorth dumbledore <laughs> we'll be right back you're listening to joshua p warren's speaking of strange Tuned in to Speaking of Strange. I'm Vance Pollock. In the studio with investigator Shelley Wright and Sam Steele producing. Sam Steele. <laughs> Sam Steele. You miss the animal, don't you? Is that okay if I leave out the animal part? Uh, that's a given. Sometimes. <laughs> you just, you know, do as you see fit. The Newark Police Department, Newark in Alameda County, California. Uh, posted a photo on Facebook showing some crystal meth and a glass pipe. The caption read, Is your meth laced with deadly gluten? Not sure? Bring your meth down to the PD and Uh, we will test it for you for free. Dumb. The amazing thing about it is two people did and were promptly arrested for meth possession. The people arrested are now claiming that the police set them up with this Facebook post. I'd heard that story, you know, in the past where they would, um, people with outstanding warrants, 
they would, uh, you know, say, hey, you know, you want a um, a cruise? Uh, you just got to come down to this hotel, you know. Uh, we're going to do this. You sit through a lecture, you know, and you'll right. Get, and so the people would show up, and they'd be like, "Bam, there you go." Yeah, uh, I saw one. Uh, actually, a video of one. Have you ever seen like a car lot will do this promotion sometimes, where they choose like last man standing, and twelve dudes come down and put their hands on a on a brand new pickup truck, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the last man standing gets the truck. Well, they invited like 12 guys with outstanding warrants to do the last man standing at this car lot. And when they got them all down there, they let them stand around that's just the truck. And as they, wore, as they got tired and started falling <laughs> off, the cops would arrest them with little resistance. Oh, that was sneaky. But the video that's was good. pretty hysterical. Yeah, uh, run on down to the Newark, California Police Department and have your meth tested for gluten because... That sounds like an Asheville thing, you know. It's like, look, my meth has got to be, whole, you know, all natural, organic, farm organically table, farmed, uh, harm, you know, uh, ethical, uh, gluten-free, uh, no GMOs. Is that a thing? <laughs> GMO. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think so. Oh, my goodness, right. No... Uh, See, we, no we're, we're, beer city, we're Beer City USA. I personally think that alcohol is like the worst drug there is, right? And But yet it's prevalent everywhere you look. Everywhere you look. Gas stations, grocery stores, every restaurant, whatever. Uh, you have festivals all the time. I think we should have a craft-brewed crack festival. <laughs> and you could have farm-to-table crack. You know, like where you – look, I make the fertilizer. I make the coca leaf. Uh, you know, organically, mm-hmm. and then I I make that paste with local labor, fair oh fair goodness. wage, and then we we convert that into a coca paste, and then into the cocaine, and then uh, we add infuse infuse flavors into the crack. Say like you know like a peach habanero. This is sounding really Sam. good. <laughs> yeah, peach habanero crack. Mm, let me I'm let me try that. Um, it Sam, makes, it's just Sam, as arbitrary as, a, as an alcohol festival, is it not? Sam may jest, but here in a few years, there will be pot festivals. Well, there are pot Garrett, festivals. Oh, yeah, I mean, but here. there will be legal, legally recognized pot festivals. Uh, I happen to know, I, I just hear this through the grapevine, people. I, I don't know where I would get this, not because I ran around with the North Buncombe uh, High School football team in in circa 1988 or anything like that but that out in um, madison county they uh they grow some pretty interesting organic products for those who like to uh partake we'll say things have changed a lot since you were running around with the oh now every now i don't think it has to be uh Organic. Everything can be infused in peachy and and jalapeno-y, right? Well, nowadays you don't even have the flour is like that's so passe anymore. It's all waxes and oils and you know edibles and things of that nature. No, we're going to bring back the organic pot movement to to Asheville. Not now, but as soon as it's legal, I think we're going to bring back the organic mountain mountain reefer. Uh, we shouldn't be talking about this, should we? Uh, it's it's fair. So it's fair. If we we're reading talk. news stories about uh, gluten-free meth, I mean, it's a springboard into these sort of things, not implicating ourselves, of course. Um, <laughs> you are tuned in to Speaking of Strange. Uh, so what's uh, paranormal in all this? Uh, well, I don't know. But we do have a good uh, sort of 
lead in. I, I, I don't know how to get there from here, so I'm just going to jump right in. <laughs> and you're the pizza guy. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like when somebody I, asks you how to get, can you can you tell me how to get to 40? What, like, oh, I, I can't, can't tell you how to get there from here. You can't get there from here. But Shelly and I, uh, we were up at Bethesda the other day. Do you know where Bethesda Road in Hall Creek is, Sam? Yes, that's uh, off Old Hawk Creek. Yeah, or, in, it you're spans right. in between New and Old Hawk Creek. You're right. The old Bethesda Church Cemetery. Mm-hmm. We spotted graves that were uh, old field stones, hand carved with the dates as early as, you know, uh, died on date of 1836. That's pretty darn old for, for a carving that is still, uh, you know, legible. There aren't many stones even that old. Here's the thing. Riverside Cemetery didn't exist until at least the 1880s or so. And then the earliest graves in Riverside Cemetery had been moved at least twice by that time from the old city cemetery uh, that was in the block, Eagle Street. It's just south of Eagle Street, I believe, from the earliest settlement. Uh, era 1800 we'll say uh in about 1830 or 40 as the downtown you know the city center of Asheville started to grow they moved these graves over to church street uh and and buried them in the respective church cemeteries along church street and then in the 18 early 1880s they removed those graves again out to Riverside Cemetery. So the oldest graves at Riverside Cemetery have been moved a couple of times, but we saw graves that had been undisturbed since 1836, and that's that's fairly old for our area. Would the oldest one, now I think this might have uh, moved in the past several years, um, did, would, would the oldest one have been uh, over in Kenilworth? Um, Newton Academy Cemetery. It was, That's a, it, was a, it was a black um, uh, near, near the. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. St. John Church yes, A yes, off yes. of uh, yeah, just off Wyoming. Yeah, up in there. That is an old one. You're right. There are definitely graves from the slave era. So before the Civil War, you're talking 1850s at least, and most of those unmarked. Yeah, of and course. I think because they were of, sinking in uh, several years ago, and they something had to be done as right. far as you know relocating or because there was some uh, research and uh, cleanup and everything done. But uh, you're right; that historic uh, African African American cemetery in in Kenilworth is an oldie, but uh, just across from Mission Hospital on Biltmore Avenue, next to the uh, uh, the X-ray and radiation treatment center, there is the old Newton. Academy Cemetery, and that's probably the oldest undisturbed graves in the Asheville area, at least, you know, white European. Everything's built on Indian graves, right? Um, But here's the thing. Shelley and I went out to Bethesda Church Cemetery in Hawk Creek to visit a friend of mine. I call him a friend, even though he died in, in 1936, some 35 years before I was born. His name is Uncle Billy Brown. You may have heard me talk about how Uncle Billy Brown helped me crack a couple of uh, tough local historical mysteries. And the way I would approach it was I would be stumped 
by uh, some historical question, and I had got it in my head that that Billy Brown, who was a conductor on the streetcars here in Asheville for some 40 years, uh, one of the old timers, the caption under a photo uh, in a in a streetcar magazine. Yeah, that's right. The streetcar uh, industry had its own magazine, its trade publications. And one of these national trade publications uh, featured a big uh, center portrait of Uncle Billy Brown after he had retired, and it said uh, Asheville's Uncle Billy Brown uh, rode the streetcars for 40 years, one of the old-timers. And uh, I found out that uh, this spirit is a particularly chatty one, and if I need information on the history of Asheville and the ghosts of Asheville, then Uncle Billy's my go-to guy, and I uh, I introduced Shelly the other morning. So when we come back, we'll get Shelly right to tell her version of our meetup with Uncle Billy at a local cemetery. It's the sort of thing you expect, right? It's Speaking of Strange. We'll be right back. is a mess oh we're a mess we're just having a good time in here with you on a saturday night it's joshua p warren speaking of strange but while joshua p warren is away the kids up here in Asheville will play i'm vance pollock and shelly wright is to my left sam the animal steel is across the console to my right and joshua p warren is down in puerto rico but We've got a special report from Joshua P. Warren next hour. Just a brief, in, in his own words, in the voice of, I try and do a, a, a Joshua P. Warren uh, impersonation from time to time. With Joshua's intro scripts on the hour, sometimes, sometimes I close my eyes and I can channel the spirit of Joshua P. Warren when I'm reading those, those uh, scripts. So... 
I had a friend uh, who was a list, longtime listener to the show uh, compliment me in a backhanded sort of way that he thought what he was listening to was an old rerun of Speaking of Strange when he heard the intro to Hour 2 or whatever because uh, my Joshua P. Warren was, was pretty darn good. Lord knows I've listened to it enough times. When you hear Josh's intro scripts a hundred times, uh, driving around in the car on on the pizza trail, there's that pizza parallel. Anytime I think of listening to the glory days of Speaking of Strange, circa, ni- circa 19, it doesn't go quite that far back, but circa 2006, we'll say I'm delivering pizza on a Saturday night and... Speaking of strange, dialed in. If you're out there in that same boat or in that same delivery vehicle, as the case may be, good for you. This is the show that will keep your brain percolating while you're doing the mind-numbing task of taking people their hot pie on a Saturday night. Many good tips to you, good friends. And I know we've got friends out there in the pizza world do you still have uh, do you still maintain friends in the pizza world uh sam or did you have to distance yourself completely from those people when you moved up in the world i wouldn't say moved up um (laughs) no i still have some friends that uh slang the pies um and some of my best friends and bandmates are um you know i worked with 20 plus years ago we Um, we talked about some mutual friends dave Oh yeah, he's uh, Dave's still doing it for Dominoes, I guess. The smartest dudes uh, you'll ever meet, you know. Sam is a good dude. He's, Sam, he's over in Oakley, and hey, every- Sam, if you're listening out there, nice to see you. <laughs> Sam and and family and friends, yeah. Sam from Oakley. We'll we'll leave it at that. We don't need to I'll do a you, plug a, there for was a, a big lot, corporate. There was a lot of smart dudes that uh that were pizza guys. You're right. Yeah, uh, and, and gals, while we're and at gals. it, uh, James, James from uh, he, I think he's working with Dave over in Oteen now. James, if you still tune in for Speaking of Strange, buddy, you're the guy that got me started listening to it on a Saturday night. We'd be delivering around Oakley, and my buddy James would come in and say, "Man, I tell you what, you need to be listening to Five Seventy right now. Joshua P. Warren is on there talking about some crazy mess." <laughs> and uh okay yeah well I'll let me check that out and i'd be on the way out the door on a delivery and tune it in sure enough crazy mess we hope uh to continue the tradition of bringing you the craziest mess on Asheville's airwaves saturday nights um shelly what do you think about uh your new friend Uncle Billy, because I got a good vibe when I took you out there to his graveside and you said, hello, Uncle Billy. I did, too. I got a good feeling, and it seemed like maybe he was following us around, followed us back to the car, because he he felt like he was in the back seat, like he had scooted up between us and had put his arms out on the seats behind us and was kind of taking in our conversation and maybe taking part in it. Maybe inspiring some things, because as I told you before the break, uh, the way I learned to rely on Uncle Billy is to just offer up a question to him and then sleep on it. And the next day, I, I couldn't say that I wouldn't have come up with it 
anyway. But as a mental exercise, even if it's just that, the fact that it delivered results, the fact that the next day I would come up with a brainstorm or a uh, research tactic that I had not explored previously that would would gain results. And some of those are tediously uh, the sort of stuff that these people from uh, like uh, History Detective would would get an email with information and be like, uh, we don't really know how we would approach that. We don't even I mean, even a seasoned detective would have a hard time getting their claws in it or even knowing where to start. And I would have pulled out all all the ends, all the usual uh records you know whether it uh, be old city directories census records and uh, grave records and things like that that can usually turn up a little information but sometimes uh, you've got nothing to go on in the case of a photograph of a funeral a graveside service uh, from Asheville back in the 1920s and the question was where is this and the landscape doesn't betray any clues uh some people say riverside some people say you know one cemetery or the other turns out it's green hills just below where we tape speaking of strange here off lester highway but um i had gotten to the end of my rope when uh, i noticed a photograph hanging on the wall in a second photo uh, presumably of the same funeral but an indoor photo, and in this photograph was a, a landscape, you know, a long portrait of a group of men with the Asheville streetcars. Some of you may know that Asheville, up until 1934, operated trolleys, a street railway. You know, we were like uh, San Francisco East in more ways than one back in those days. What happened to that? Like, why did that go away or never grow? Uh, well... Some people say that there were business interests uh, allied with the petroleum and the bus industry. And if they tore up the rails and retired the trolleys, then uh, the bus companies and the petroleum people would be happy. So there's Oddly there's enough, that sort of talk. Our, our buses run on hydrogen. Yeah. yeah. But these, but yeah, similarly, these ran on electric, electricity that was generated by hydroelectric dams hmm. uh, in the area. There was a hydroelectric dam down on uh, Hominy Creek that powered uh, one of the street well, railway lines that ran through West Asheville. But anyway, I'm getting too Asheville-centric <laughs> here. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, Uncle Billy uh, came through in a pinch when I had exhausted all of my considerable resources and skills. I said, Uncle Billy... Where is that photo? And I literally did this at his graveside and went home and slept on it. And the next day had some sort of long shot suggestions come to mind as to where to look further. And one was look for a list of police officers from 1924. I didn't even know if such a thing existed, but you know what? When I looked in the front of the city directory from for 1924 under the county offices, uh, under the police department, it not only listed the chief of police and the captains, but it listed every 
patrolman in Asheville for the year 1924. And I knew that this gentleman must be on the list because one of the vehicles uh, in the photograph was a, a 19, say, 24. So it couldn't have been earlier than that. Uh, so we're we're saying he probably would have been on the force in 1924. And uh, I, I was, you know, surprised to find this list. On the wall in one of these photos was a portrait or a certificate with a last name that was, while I couldn't make it out, I could discern enough about the name, the handwriting, the calligraphy, to know that there weren't any drop uh, decorations. So any, in other words, there would be no letter G's, no letter P, nothing with a line that extended below, you know, <laughs> the calligraphy An was... O. Perhaps short name. So uh, Brown would work. Jones would work. The first name that I, I decided to pursue was Brown. And that's what led me to Uncle Billy. But when that turned up a dead end and I was at his graveside anyway, and it wasn't a match, that's when I asked him, Uncle Billy, you're in this photo of the streetcar men that's hanging on the wall at this funeral. You know who's buried there. It's it's not your grave, I can see now, but whose funeral was that? Whose grave was that? And the next day I was able to whittle it down to a man by the name by the name of Henry P. Jones. And when I uh went to Henry P. Jones' grave out at Green Hill Cemetery and I looked across his grave, there was the one clue, the one unmistakable match to the photograph was the back of a infant's grave with a lamb Hmm. on top and there it is uh right next to the jones family plot just as it was in the photograph inward yes like because you solved it yeah I, i did that i did an inward yes and then i went on social media and did an outward yes (laughs) and i got some good jobs and 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 a few likes so that was that was in the days before uh, like fancy emoticons it was just like or or don't you didn't even have that option yeah well this is speaking of strange and uh we'll finish up with uncle billy when we get back
Welcome back to Speaking of Strange. I'm your host, Vance Pollock, in the captain's chair, because Joshua P. Warren, you probably know that, he kicking up his heels on some beach somewhere down in Puerto Rico. But uh, he's still into the spirits uh, in one way or other, and you can keep tabs on him at joshuapwarren.com. Is there a period after the P? Heck no. no. <laughs> joshuapwarren.com. And, of course, uh, you can go and listen to podcasts of Speaking of Strange. This very show, you can listen to back episodes and download them and share and collect them all uh, at speakingofstrange.com right there near the middle at the top under the uh, headline uh, podcasts. That'll take you to the link. And it's always nice that uh, generally uh, earlier in the week, like a couple days out, you can go there and uh, click latest in the headline and see what's in store for Saturday night. You can probably do that at least by Friday morning or so. I, I can't stay more than a couple days ahead of the game because I just don't have my ducks in a row. I just ain't got my stuff together, as they say. But, uh, man, I was I was burning up the paranormal ether when I was communicating with Uncle Billy out there at uh, Bethesda. I shouldn't have given away the details. Now we're going to have people going to Bethesda trying to communicate with Uncle Billy. And he's Uncle Billy's our friend. Don't expect the same results if you go out there and try and attempt what we've done because I've, I've intentionally left out parts of the ritual. Shelly, you know part of the ritual. Uh, yes. Yes, I do. Involve in communicating with Uncle Billy. And I'm not telling anybody. Nope. But I thought that that aspect of the ritual was something that someone like Shelley Wright could relate to, especially since she's uh, looking into hoodoo and mojo and juju and all that good stuff. And she is the proprietress of Nevermore Mystical Arts at 1271 Sweeten Creek Road, just south of Asheville. 1271 Sweeten Creek Road, Nevermore Mystical Arts. Got some neat candles in there, Shelly? Oh, yeah. Just got the hoodoo candles in this week. All right. Yeah. And you got uh, all sorts of ritual kits in there. Ritual kits, tarot cards, Ouija boards, herbs, oils. What, do you, what would you say the most popular themed ritual kit is? Is it money? Is it romance? You know, it depends. It, it's between love and romance. <laughs> Those are the two biggies. Right. Yeah. That that seems to be the, uh, yeah, that's all That's all people need, right? That's it. All you need is love. And if the Beatles song isn't enough to remind you of that, then uh, maybe you need a spell kit from Nevermore Mystical Arts down on Sweeten Creek Road 1271. It just so happens, coincidentally enough, to be next to Wright's Coin Shop. We'll uh, check in uh, with somebody who has a little inside info on Wright's Coin Shop. I don't know who that might be, but of course, uh, we, we like to chat about Wright's Coin Shop during the Dark 30. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll check in with someone knowledgeable on the coin biz uh, 
Shelley, there was once a rumor going around that you had a tramp stamp that read Coinstar. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> and I, and, I found and I can out, prove it to you. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I was not, not that there's anything wrong with stelling. It was the, not that there's anything wrong with with staring at. <laughs> At uh, Shelley Wright's lower back, but I I made uh, a point to pay attention after that. That if I had a chance to see Shelley Wright's lower back, I would confirm uh, whether or not there was a Coinstar tramp stamp, and there 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 may or may not be a Coinstar tramp. Stamp. No, there is no tramp <laughs> stamp anywhere that says Coinstar or anything. There is no tramp stamp. Okay, okay. I think she's adamantly saying. There is not. There is not a Coinstar tramp stamp because that's like a trademark. That's a registered trademark, right? I've, oh, anyway. yeah, because that's the only reason I wouldn't have one. Right. right? You wouldn't want uh, Coinstar, the uh, coin counting company, to, to like issue you a citation for a cease trade. and desist. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, uh, we're, we're just uh, having a good old time here. Uh, what? What was the final point I wanted to make about Uncle Billy? Oh, yeah, we're not going to tell you how to communicate with Uncle Billy just because we gave you his name. But if here's my suggestion. If you want to work up your own uh, spirit mascot, choose somebody who's been around a little bit, who knows the gossip, who has probably uh, a sort of a friendly demeanor and is uh, conversational with all the ghosts that you need to uh, refer to. We'll leave it at that. Picking out a ghost mascot to uh, (laughs) communicate with. This is Speaking of Strange. Hour 2's got some surprises in store for you. We'll be right back. 